We're going to dive into uh, unpack the, the the passage that uh, Namrata and Arjun were just sharing with us. So, if you've got your Bibles, I invite you to get your Bibles out, uh, and also. Uh, if you have a device and that's what you're using for your Bible and you use the, the Bible app, if you go to events in the Bible app, uh, you should see Citywide Baptist Church pop up and the notes for today's message are there. Uh, or if you're watching from outside of Tasmania, you'll probably have to search for Citywide Baptist Church and uh, the notes will pop up there. We're continuing our journey wrestling with what does it mean for us to bless. We, uh, at the start of each year, we, we uh, focus on one of these banners that you'll find up the back of the stage or around the buildings in, in, all our, in both our campuses. And BLESS is an acronym that stands for Bless People, Listen to the Holy Spirit, Eat with People, Study Jesus' Way and Sent with Purpose. Follow and share are also acronyms. Uh, and for us as a church, if you want to understand Citywide Baptist Church, you need to understand the heart for us is to work out what does it actually mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to take his word seriously? Which is specifically what we're take, talking about today. We actually have for each one of those uh, bless uh, acronym lines, we have a card like this that unpacks a bit more and today we're looking at what does it mean to study Jesus way. Unashamedly uh, we have pinched uh, the this acronym, the, the BLESS acronym from a man by the name of Michael Frost. Uh, he though had it spelling out the word bells uh, and he had learn Jesus way instead of study Jesus way. Uh, I went out for a hamburger with my wife uh, at, uh, I forget which hamburger place it was, it was in uh, North Hobart, anyway that's not relevant um, <clears throat> uh, and I said look we've got this, this acronym we're working on and uh, uh, trying to help name what does it mean to actually follow Jesus and, and it said bells and she said that's so stupid, why would you call it bells, that doesn't mean anything uh, so we changed, sorry Michael, uh, apologise uh, I know you've written a book about it, but uh, uh, so we changed uh, learn Jesus way to study Jesus way. And, and in, some, in some senses, that's not bad because to study something means you actually have to take intentional effort. You don't accidentally study something. You actually have to take intentional effort to study Jesus way of doing life. And so what was that passage uh, Namrata and Arjun were reading, well, it was Jesus leading into this incredible statement. And this is the statement, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Do you ever find yourself weary and burdened? Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, 
For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This is, I I love this bit of the Bible. I don't know, I I think I, I, I can sometimes feel a bit anxious about life. I can sometimes feel like the weight of the world is on my shoulders and I can sometimes feel that God doesn't like me enough because I don't measure up enough or something. It's just really weird stuff that gets going in my head. Uh, you might never have those sort of issues, but that's just part of my challenge. Uh, and what I love about this verse is it's just, it's just kind of, for me, it's, just like, uh, it's like an ointment almost. It's just saying, Matt, relax. Listen. And what is, what is Jesus saying? When he says, take my yoke upon you. Uh, the immediate thing to, that comes to mind if you've been in any kind of rural place, has anyone seen uh, a couple of animals connected by an, a yoke before? Anyone seen that before? Where, where they have a, two a wooden sort of things that hold them together. And it's this nice picture, really, because it's, it's this picture that... Uh, in some ways, Jesus is beside us. And often what they would do is put a, a big, strong ox with a little scrawny ox or animal. Uh, and the, the big, strong ox would really take, you know, 90% of the action. It would 90% of the, of the work. And, the, and the, the smaller one would take less. And I, I feel like in some ways, that's kind of what Jesus is saying. <laughs> let, let me do the heavy lifting in your life. That's one way of understanding what Jesus is saying here. But probably the specific thing he actually means isn't that. Uh, One of the things we miss as uh, Nepalese or uh, Western people in reading this is we don't understand some of the, the metaphors that are used in the Bible. And a very common metaphor amongst Jewish teachers was the idea that their teaching, they, they would actually call that the yoke. They'd say, you take my yoke upon you. Is Jesus really saying, take my teaching upon you. Take my way of doing life upon you. And you'll find it's just the, the best way to do life. The claim that Jesus is making is that there there is a pattern of life that actually works best. There is a way of doing life that leads you to be healthiest and most whole as a human being. And Jesus is saying, that's my way of life. Take my way of life upon you and you'll find you don't have to do all the heavy lifting and life gets a bit easier. It's like all of a sudden you're going with the grain of life, is what Jesus is saying. There's a quote here from Dallas Willard and I, I, I really appreciate his writing. He's been, there's been probably about half a dozen people who've really mentored me through their writing. Dallas Willard's one of them. And he says this, Dallas, Dallas says... Jesus came to respond to the universal human need 
to know how to live well. He came to show us how through reliance on him, we can best live in the universe as it really is. I, don't know, I, I just loved hearing Sophie's testimony last week, didn't you? And, and just hear the difference it makes for her being able to live in the universe as it really is in Jesus' way of doing life. It actually makes a difference. This is the claim of our faith. Willard goes on and he says, putting Jesus Christ into a worldwide competition with all known alternatives is the only way we can give our faith a chance to prove his power of, over the whole of life. I think we've watered down the gospel. You've heard me say that before. I, I think we've watered down the gospel. And we've made the gospel mainly about what happens when you die. As you read the, the gospel accounts... Jesus does talk a little bit about what happens when you die, but he mostly talks about what happens when you live. He's mostly interested in how you're doing life and whether you're doing life in his kingdom. There are all kinds of yokes you can take on, all kinds of ways of doing life. And you'll get all kinds of messages about what a good life looks like. Turn on the TV and you'll get messages that have been sponsored by companies that will tell you, you need to have this bit or this bit in order to be okay. Go to school and you'll pick up in the school what it means to be okay in that school. It's easy to think that you've got to have a certain amount of money or a certain kind of relationship or you've got to look a certain kind of way in order to be okay. The, it's so important for us because as, as Christians, we get sucked into this stuff. Jesus actually said that people who call themselves Christians will get sucked into this stuff. He told a parable of what he called the sower. And he said there are going to actually be three groups of people who call themselves Christians. There'll be one group of people, he said, oh, there's a, be a farmer, it's, he paints this picture and he said it's like this, the seed goes onto rocky or, or onto the, uh, almost really onto a road and sort of bounces off. He's saying some people are going to hear the truth of my message and not hear anything. Those people won't be calling themselves my followers. But he says there are three other groups of people who call themselves my followers and he says, the, the next group are people who hear my message and respond with great excitement, great emotion. But they don't ever let the truth of my message get down into who they really are. They are still more shaped by the world than by me. And the moment things get tough, they'll get going. 
The moment the, the nice, warm, fuzzy emotions are there, the moment those emotions go missing, they'll also go missing, Jesus says. He, and, and I think most of us can identify the times where it's been a bit like that. But an, another group of people, he says, he call, who will probably call themselves my followers, are people who, he said, it's like the sea gets thrown in among the weeds. And he says, it's, what actually happens is the worries of this life. All those messages you hear on TV, all the messages you hear from your friends, sometimes even your family, all the things you think you need to worry about in order to be okay. He says, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the weed and choke the plant and make it unfruitful. He said the third group of people are the people who come and let my word go down into their hearts and transform them. My experience as a follower of Jesus is that it's possible to have moments in your life where you're kind of all four. I don't know if you can identify with that. But to understand our church, you've got to understand we want to be people who actually follow Jesus. Not people who just have an emotional response or people are Jesus followers in name only who really focused on the worries of this life. But we want to be people who actually put Jesus in charge of our lives. This is the quest we are on as a church. Jesus was absolutely clear. The end of his Sermon on the Mount, he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. It's quite easy to call yourself a Christian and not put Jesus' words into practice, isn't it? It's easy, but it actually doesn't make for the best life. Jesus says, if you're willing to give up your life for my sake, that's where you find life. He didn't come to give us good advice. He came to give us good news. And as we learn to live his way, we find that life makes a lot more sense. Life is a lot better when you know Jesus loves you and you love Jesus and you follow his way. That's what we've tried to do with these acronyms. I don't think any of the 
acronyms like speaking the truth in love or having space for people or actively listening, reflecting grace, encouraging, blessing people, listening to the Holy Spirit. I could keep going on. I don't think any of those are actually optional for followers of Jesus. As I study the Bible and see how Jesus lived his life, as I read his words, these acronyms are our best attempt, and they're only an attempt, but they're our best attempt to capture those words and his way of life and what it might look like. I, I actually think all, each one of those is vital. And that's why at the start of every year, we pick one of those acronyms and spend some weeks just coming back and saying, how are we going? While I don't think any of them is optional, I also don't think in any of them you get to the point where you go, yes, I've got that sorted, I can move on now. For us as a church, we want to follow Jesus, actually. We really want Jesus to be the functional head of our church and our lives and not just a, a figurehead. And we talk a bit in our church about what it means to find Jesus calling on your life. We've actually got a little diagram that unpacks the nature of finding your calling. There, are, there it is. Uh, and it, it, it's important to understand this because when we start talking about calling, it is easy to, to get seduced into thinking, okay, I'm going to find the right thing I can do and then everything will make sense. I just need to, I want to be a, an author or I want to be a radio announcer, I want to be a minister. I, I, and, and we start thinking about roles. But you'll see your specific call is the last and the smallest aspect of your calling. The first and most precious and foundational aspect of the calling that God has on your life is that he just wants to have a relationship with you. You can't do anything else if you're not in relationship with God. Do you know that the Son of God died for you? And he comes kind of like with the, 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 the yoke there and he says, I, I actually want to do the heavy lifting in your life. Will you let me? Will you give me your life? Jesus isn't so much interested in whether you call yourself a Christian or not. What he is interested in is whether you have a relationship with him or not. And, and there's nothing more beautiful than seeing someone for the first time for some of us, it may be second or third time, but for, for, for some, from getting to the point where you say, oh, Jesus, I know I can't do it my own way anymore. Can you come into my life and do life with me? It really is that simple. And when you do that, everything changes. Everything changes. 
I think, though, talking with my mates in the other churches here in Hobart, we in the church have made a mistake. Uh, and we, most of the leaders in the church are agreeing about this and wrestling with it together at the moment. We, we focus so much on helping people become baby Christians, on helping people step into relationship with Jesus. And let me just say, I don't want to ever lose that focus. It, I, 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 there's nothing better than seeing people get to, get to know Jesus. But like a little baby, if, you, if, you, if the, a baby's birth, I just had my new nephew was born and he got a name yesterday or the day before. It was just really exciting after two weeks. Timothy Daskagarvan. I don't know if I'm meant to announce that actually. Uh, well, so if you just keep it between, if you can keep it between us, that'd be great. Um, uh, there's the, like, I, don't you love a baby? A, isn't it? a baby's birth is wonderful? Everybody's excited as a new life is born. But the baby has to grow up. The next step on that pyramid is that we need to learn to live the Jesus way. And that's what we're talking about today. We need to actually learn to put Jesus' words into practice. We have a, uh, an understanding. We understand this means there's four different steps that need to be a part of our life in an ongoing way if we actually want to put Jesus' way into practice. There's another diagram we've got that, uh, you see, this is our best attempt at, at describing what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And you'll notice it's a, it's a process. It's a process. And the centre of that process is having your focus on Jesus. One of the dangers is when we start talking about calling or we start talking about anything, it's so easy to say, I want to put the focus on me. I want to work out what Jesus can do for me. No, that is the opposite of what it means to follow Jesus. That's trying to get Jesus to follow you, which is not a good recipe. No, our task is to follow Jesus, to focus on Jesus. I, I love Hebrews 12. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes not on the race, but on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And so as we focus on Jesus, do you know what's going to happen if you're, if you're actually focusing on Jesus? You will, as you reflect... And you'll see that you'll need the work of the Holy Spirit. There's a fine print there on the arrows. The Holy Spirit is with you on this whole journey. As, as we reflect and see Jesus and, and the Holy Spirit helps us, it won't take long before Jesus starts to help you see yourself. And see parts of your life to recognise parts of your life that actually need to change. I hate to break it to you, but there are parts of your life that need to change. Because at this stage, if you can be honest, there are parts of your life that are not yet lived like Jesus. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? Jesus' heart for you is that you would live your life 
as he would live your life if he was you. If you imagine for a moment, Jesus, if you had seen those Freaky Friday kind of TV sh- uh, movies and things where somebody else takes somebody else's body on and lives their life for them. Well, you imagine that Jesus actually lives your life in your family, with your friends, with your body, your resources. I wonder what would be different if Jesus was living your life. That's exactly what he wants to do. And gradually what he's inviting you to do is face the parts of your life where that's not true. So as you reflect, you'll learn to to recognise the parts of you that are healthy, but also to face the parts that are unhealthy. And then he will invite you to choose differently. And as you choose differently, you're going to need friends. You'll notice here it says fellowship. This is where we in the Australian congregations have to learn a bit from the, the Nepalese congregations because let me, the, the Nepalese congregation are better at fellowship than we are. Now, there are other challenges that the Nepalese congregation have. It doesn't mean that everybody in the Nepalese congregation is perfect. That's true, isn't it, Paul? No, 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 we all have our own challenges, but we have to learn to have fellowship. As we, as we make choices to try and live life differently, you need friends. But then you also need to do stuff differently. And as you do stuff differently, it'll actually form habits. It'll gradually get easier. And then Jesus will say, okay, I think we've got that bit sorted. Now let's work on the next bit. And what will happen is you live a life where you become freer and freer and freer. That's the journey of following Jesus. And you will be able to say, like the Apostle Paul, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you get that? Jesus isn't saying, I, you have to do this all on your own. He's just saying, be open. Let my Holy Spirit guide you and don't play any religious games where you're trying to impress people. Be real. And be really in love with me. Really live your life as though I was Lord. That's what Jesus is saying. I wonder for you, is Jesus the centre of your life? Is he really? Do you find yourself on this journey of discipleship? What I, I, I love about this journey is it is the path to freedom. C.S. Lewis wrote, The more I let Jesus take me over, the more truly myself I become. We can take that diagram down now, thanks, too. Do you hear that? The more I let Jesus take me over, 
the more truly myself I become. I, I've loved seeing what's been breaking out in the States. Uh, there's a, a university uh, called Asbury University and there is a, a bunch of 18 to 22-year-olds who just knew they needed to get their life right with Jesus and so after what frankly was a fairly ordinary message from the, the guy who, from, a, from, uh, from the speaker, he actually felt really bad that he did such a bad job with it, uh, some, the Holy Spirit did something else. And a bunch of young people just said, no, I, I feel like I've got to get my heart right with Jesus. And they just stayed and worshipped for a bit. And others came to join them. And they weren't singing clever songs. They weren't, it, it wasn't high tech. But then others came to join them. And others came to join them. And a worship service, a chapel service for this university that started, I think it was at nine o'clock one morning, went for 16 days. And what I love about it is there's no superstars. There's just a bunch of very ordinary uh, 18 to 22-year-olds. And there was a story where someone who's in charge of the whole university saw how uh, tired these kids were trying to hold it all together and he, and he volunteered to come and help lead worship so they could have a break. And they looked at him a little nervously. Uh, and they said to him, uh, okay, but we're going to have to pray for you, a prayer of consecration, so nothing in you will get in the road. Uh, they, they actually didn't know who he was. They just thought he was a random person who's come from the... But he was like the head of the whole university. Uh, and so they spent half an hour praying for him, that they would get, he would get his heart right before he tried to lead anybody into worship. Uh, and, and after that time of prayer, which he said was wonderful, he then got up to begin to lead worship. And after a, a little while, someone came and whispered in his ear and said, we think you've got to stop now. Uh, and, and he looked and said, uh, okay. And he put down his guitar and he came back and he said, and, uh, and again, these, these students didn't know who he was, but they, they said, we were praying and we sense your heart isn't right. And a little later, they realised who he was and they came and apologised and he said, no, you were right. My heart wasn't right. I wonder this morning, is your heart right? We don't want to play religious games around here. Jesus comes and says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And I wonder for you this morning, whether there's some business you need to do so that that's true for you this morning. I love that the Apostle Paul 
says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. And don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Don't take on the, all these other yokes that want to hold you back. The yoke of envy, the yoke of money, the, the, I don't know, the, the yoke of thinking you're not good enough at something. What, I don't know what your yoke is, but Jesus wants to smash your yoke and invites you to take on the right yoke. His yoke, which is actually light. I'm going to invite the band up now. And I just want to take a moment to pray. Because nothing I have said is new. You've probably heard me say all this stuff before. Following Jesus isn't an intellectual exercise. It's fundamentally a question of where your heart is. I wonder, I wonder if you've got friends who could remind you times when, you, when, when, when your heart isn't right. More than that, I just want to, I wonder if you now, before Jesus, I wonder, I wonder if there is something that's holding you back, something you're holding on to that you need to let go of, something you're avoiding stepping into, I don't know. But before we sing, I just want to pray. And as I pray, I want, I want to give the space for you to do what you need to do. I want to picture, ask, invite you to picture yourself at the cross, knowing that Jesus is there for you, that he loves you. He's not asking you to put anything on or try anything out. He just wants you to come and say, Yes, Jesus, I want your life. So as we come to pray now, I wonder if you're ready to say that. I wonder if you're ready to say yes. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for what we see you doing in our church and around the world. Thanks that it's you your Apostle Paul said that, it's, that he'll boast in weakness because in his weaknesses your strength is made clear. You told him that your strength is made perfect in weakness. Jesus, forgive us for all the times where we try and have it together, where we try and play religious games. We don't want to be a bunch of people like that. We, we just want to follow you. And just before the band come, and just if, if everyone can have their eyes closed, I just want to have a moment where we, if you know you've been grabbing the steering wheel of your life and it's time to hand it back to Jesus, if you know your heart's not right and you just are sick of your heart not being right and you want to put your heart right, just invite you, while there's no one else looking, to indicate that by raising your hand where you are. I'm not going to drag this out. 
But I really want to encourage you, if you know your heart's not right and you want to say to Jesus, Jesus, come. I give you all the stuff I've been holding on to instead of you. If that's what you want to say to him. And just indicate that by raising your hand where you are. Good on you. Yeah. Yeah. If you're ready to lay your life at his feet, then again, just indicate that by raising your hand where you are. Yeah. Yeah. So Jesus, you have seen all those that have raised their hands. You, you know our hearts. Save us from religious games. Thank you that you came to bring us life. And help us be open to the life that is only through you. Save us from looking for life in other places. Thank you for who you are and what you're doing, Jesus. Amen. Now, we're about to sing a song. It's a, it's a beautiful song. But I, I want to encourage you... We do this every now and then. I want to encourage you not to stand as we sing this song until you are ready and if you're ready to say, yep, Jesus, I'm in. Whatever you want of me, my life is in your hands. I want to give you my heart. You'll find these words uh, are beautiful and they're a reminder that it's not about you. It's about him. And in the last verse, every, we'll all stand together, but can I encourage you to have the integrity? If you're not yet at a point where you can say that, please stay seated until Robin tells everybody to stand up together and, 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 and do the work to work out what's going on for you in it. Because we want to be a church where we're honest with ourselves and honest with each other. No, don't, want to, don't want to make big deals and stuff, but we just want to take a moment as we sing this song for you to do the internal work to say, Jesus, am I really ready to follow you? And if, if you're able to say yes to that, then I invite you to stand as we sing the song. And in the last verse, Robin will invite us all to stand. Mm-hmm.